that's 83 of the big ones, survive, though, may, though many are buried beneath the grass. Wow. Moving them over nearly 200 miles of craggy terrain with no wheels would have been a huge task. They are two meters tall and weigh between one and three tons. Okay, I'm sorry, the blue ones are the smaller ones. So they move these things, it says, nearly 200 miles of craggy terrain. You, can, I, you go on Google Maps and look, and I did. This is not flat terrain, up and down hills. So even a stone that weighs 6,000 pounds, just imagine dragging uh, a dump truck, say, up and down those hills, a small dump truck, 6,000 pounds. Really? It says proof of migration. Chemical analysis of ancient human remains near Stonehenge reveal these people grew up in West Wales. Their teeth contain elements from local rock that would have seeped into their plants and meat. It is a hypothesis at the moment, but people, but perhaps what you're looking at is a migration of some people from West Wales to the Salisbury Plain area, says Roberts. The research was led by Professor Mike Parker Pearson, an archaeologist with the University of London. He now believes that Stonehenge was built as a monument to the ancestors in contrast to all the structures built out of timber, which were associated with the living, he says. These stones were clearly really valuable to them. They would have been absolutely key ancestral emblems. You know, you have to ask yourself, how could a, a group of people who who hadn't invented the wheel, who at best were subsistence farmers, maybe just grazing these a few domesticated animals, how would they have the time or the excess energy to do this? It says the chances are we'll never know for sure why the stones were moved, but Pearson likes that mystery. For Roberts, the discovery that really captured her imagination came thanks to a meal of hazelnut eaten by a quarry worker around 5,300 years ago. During an excavation of what turned out to be a key bluestone quarry, the archaeologist discovered the charred remains of some hazelnut shells that had been thrown into the campfire. Carbon dating revealed that they dated to 3,300 B.C., 5,300 years ago. It was already known the bluestones had been quarried in Wales, but the shells showed this was done more than three centuries before Stonehenge was erected on Salisbury Plain. That left us with the mystery, because where did they go? Did it take them 400 years to haul those stones to Stonehenge? I suspect not, says Parson. I thought there must be another place close by that these stones were initially destined for, and the rest, as they say, is history. Jeffrey Monmouth was a great medieval storyteller who lived in the 12th century. It says he is best known for his stories that popularized the myth of King Arthur, but many that may have also have a role to play in the mystery of Stonehenge. Jeffrey of Monmouth tells this extraordinary story about Stonehenge being a stone circle that Merlin brought back from Ireland. It's obviously a myth, they say, that there's a big battle in Ireland and Merlin having stolen the big stone circle brings it back to Salisbury Plain. But you just wonder if there's a grain of truth in it that there's some kind of folk memory of the stone circle having been moved from the west of Salisbury that's turned into this legend. Interesting that he says Merlin. Of course, Merlin was this legendary wizard. And this could, to my mind, be some sort of uh, UFO connection there, some sort of alien connection, kind of along the lines of what we've seen with the ancient alien stuff on the History Channel. It's something we'll never be able to prove, but it's delicious as a story 
and it may be that there's a grain of truth in it, she said. That's all fine and good. This interesting story that how maybe these things were quarried at this quarry. They were moved to a, a you know to this first Stonehenge type monument, and then after a few hundred years, these people migrated south and they drug all these rocks down there with them, and then they expanded the complex with these bigger rocks. Blah blah blah. All seems pretty implausible to me. You know the fact this all happened over five thousand years ago before the invention of the wheel. You know when. People are are very technologically not advanced stage that they would go to the trouble to do this, but then you overlay that on top of the idea that we find out that Stonehenge has been uh, just completely altered multiple times in the last hundred years to make it look the way they think it should have looked for whatever reason, and they're not doing this uh, out in the open. We can have a have a conversation about it. This has all been done really clandestinely and almost to the point of being under the cover of darkness. I mean, it's happened back in the 50s. Nobody's advertising it and no one's coming forward to say, oh yeah, this is how it happened. So you have you you have this kind of really confusion, deception, and kind of uh, cloudiness over this whole thing of Stonehenge on both ends of the story. What was done to it you know, in modern times as far as rebuilding it and how it got there in the first place. We never have been able to do a really uh, thorough archaeological examination of the site because it's been altered too much. So were aliens involved? Who knows? How would you know? Everything's been completely disturbed there. Uh, you almost need to go back and look at the thing from were people capable of moving these kinds of uh, massive stones those distances 5,000 years ago with nothing more than brute strength and ropes. Uh, there'd be an easy way to prove this. The people that think that that was possible, these, archaeologi- these archaeologists and academics and non-believers, uh, they could disprove all of us people who have questions by simply getting a couple hundred people together and seeing if they could move, say, a ten or 12,000 pound rock. See if they could drag that thing 180 miles. See how long it would take them to do that and whether that seems like it would be a possibility for uh, ancient man 5,000 years ago. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about what's up with Stonehenge. That's correct. What's up with Stonehenge? Now, we look at this magnificent monument and we just assume sometimes that that's the way the ancients left it. Yep. It's been there just like that for 5,000 years. But you know, that's not actually the case. And not only has Stonehenge been remodeled a few times, we have to ask a question. Was it even possible for people five years ago, people without the uh, convenience of the wheel, to drag those stones, some weighing up to, I guess, what, 40,000, 50,000, 80,000 pounds to drag those things for 20, 30 miles, even the smaller ones at 5, 10, 20,000 pounds, dragging those things for up to 180 miles reportedly. So let's take a look at this first article here from the peoplesvoice.tv. It says, Old Stonehenge pictures show attempt to cover up true origin. Now this is dated June 1st, 2017. Now you know you're onto something if you just type in Stonehenge cover up or Stonehenge, you know, rebuild, and you'll come across dozens of uh, returns on the search engine debunking the idea that Stonehenge has been rebuilt. Well, here's the pictures right here, obviously. There's been a lot of work done on that site. It was not in the current condition 
you know, 100 or 200 years ago, say, or even 50 years ago. It says, previously unseen photographs of Stonehenge reveal that the ancient stone complex in Wiltshire, England, was rebuilt and moved around by authorities so as to obscure their true nature. Well, whether it was to obscure their true nature or not, I guess you can't prove that, but they certainly moved things around, and now they don't want to talk about the fact that they did that. Between 1901 and 1964, the majority of the stone circle was renovated in such a way that it left the stones completely and forever changed from their original state. It says, ancientcode.com reports, according to what we have known for quite some time now, the incredible stone complex in Wiltshire, England, was built, according to archaeologists and studies, somewhere from 3000 BC to 2000 BC. Radiocarbon dating in 2008 suggested the first stones were raised between 2400 and 2200 BC, so over 4,000 years old. Whilst another theory suggests that bluestones may have been raised at the site as early as 3000 BC. So, you know, there's this idea that they actually drug some of the stones from a previous site clear down to the Stonehead site, like 140 to 180 mile trip, dragging these enormous rocks. It says, according to a new study by archaeologists and geologists from the University College London, the stones of Stonehenge originated in Presley Hills, Pembrokeshire, 225 kilometers. So that's going to be what, like 160 miles? from one of the most enigmatic ancient monuments on the planet, Stonehenge. Even though researchers believed the stones originated from the Presley Hills since about 1920, they never knew the exact location from where the stones were quarried from, adding to the mystery of how ancient mankind managed to transport the boulders, researchers are questioning the age of the monument. Ancient people quarried the stones sometime between 3400 BC and 3200 BC. While the monument was while the monument was constructed, according to the mainstream scholars, around 2900 BC. This means that the ancient monument could be, in fact, 500 years older than previously thought. Yeah, either that or they just cut these rocks out and then let them lay around for 400 years. Uh, you know, and and while we're talking about moving these things some some scientists are now saying that maybe they floated these things down down the local river you know i've yet to see how ancient man could put 10 20 30,000 pound rocks on reed or small tiny wooden rafts and float them down a river we've heard the same thing about uh, the the pyramids in egypt it just makes no sense to me and i've never seen it replicated by the way but while these details have come to light in recent years, many people are unaware that Stonehenge, as we see it today, was in fact rebuilt several times, and dozens of images prove the standing stones we see today, in fact, dates back to less than 50 years. As noted intricately by IndiaMedia.org UK, from 1901 to 1964, the majority of the stone circle was restored in a series of makeovers which have left it, in the words of one archaeologist, as a product of the 20th century heritage industry. There you go, industry. I think I saw they're making about $6 million a year, uh, less upkeep they claim at $2 million. I don't even know that's even possible. But they're making 4 or 5 $6 million a year just in tourism off the site, minimum. And I think it's probably a lot, lot more than that. Sadly, the truth is, 
that the monument we see today was rebuilt as far back as 1901 when restoration processes caused great outrage, but was rarely referred to in official guidebooks. So the people that were living there knew that they were cutting corners, breaking the rules, but guidebooks aren't talking about it. Why? Well, it's a money thing. William Galland oversaw the first major restoration of the monument, which involved the straightening and concrete setting of Saracen Stone number 56, which was in danger of falling over. And straightening the stone, he moved it about a half a meter, what's that, about a foot and a half or so, from its original position. Hey, no big deal, man. We'll just move it where we need to move it to. During the 1920 restoration, William Hawley, who had excavated nearby Old Sorum, excavated the base of six stones and the outer ditch. Richard Atkinson, Stuart Peugeot, and John F.S. Stone re-excavated much of Hawley's work in the 1940s and 50s and discovered the carved axes and daggers on the Sarsen stones. These guys are moving so fast they weren't even paying attention to what they were doing. They're making discoveries as they go along that the other guy didn't notice as he was hurriedly moving these stones around. It's crazy. In 1958, the stones were restored again when three of the standing sarsens were re-erected and set in concrete bases. The last restoration was carried out in 1963 after stone 23 of the sarsen circle fell over. Cambridge University archaeological archivist and leading Stonehenge author Christopher Chippendale admitted not much of what we see at Stonehenge hasn't been touched in some way. In other words, they're rewriting history. An historical research student, Brian Edwards, who recently revealed that the nearby Avebury Monument had been totally rebuilt, has found rare pictures of Stonehenge being restored. He said it has been as if Stonehenge had been historically cleansed. For too long, people have kept have been kept in the dark over the Stonehenge restoration work. I am astonished by how few people know about it. It is... It is wonderful. The guidebook is going to tell the full story in the future. And they got some pictures here. Let me tell you what. They're doing their very best to debunk this stuff. But it it's just clearly pictures that were taken in part of the historical record. But it's just like something out of 1984. Something as simple as Stonehenge. They want to control the narrative on that. What did they find there that they don't want us to know about? What are they covering up at Stonehenge? That's so important to them to just rearrange these rocks and then try to pretend like this is the way they found them. Look, these things have been there for 5,000 years. They look like they've been knocked over by a flood, just like the megalithic stuff down in South America does. But yet we're, we are, are led to believe that, oh no, these are in perfect condition. They've been just like this. When we know from written accounts back in the 1780s that these things were laying down the field knocked over. So this just goes to show you how governments will act in collusion with local governments, industry, whatever. Because you know what? A rebuilt Stonehenge, one that's been secretly rebuilt, so that people can imagine this is exactly how it was, you know, 5,000 years ago. If they can come up come up on this thing in pristine condition, brings in a lot more revenue, a lot more tourist dollars than a naturally aged and knocked down version of Stonehenge, which was what you would expect to see after 5,000 years. Can you say you're being lied to on something as simple as this? Secondly, besides the money being a motive, what are they covering up here? What are they moving all this stuff around for without doing proper archaeological surveys? What are they hiding? Now, I want to take a look at a couple other inconsistencies here around Stonehenge as we ask, was it even possible for ancient man to move stones this large, and why would they bother? 
So just to get a quick idea about the size of these stones, I'm going to go to this article here from historyandnumbers.com, and I'll put these on the website, Buy Me a Coffee. You can go over there and take a look at the links and stuff. And if you feel real generous, you can drop a couple bucks off for the program. It helps. But look, it says, how, are the, how big are the stones at Stonehenge? And then it goes on and says, here's the idea of it. Above the great triloth, the Trilithon, center right in the image above, it says, was the largest of the five trilithons. Just one upright remains. The other upright lies broken on the ground alongside the fallen lintel. Okay, so it says the big one here, 10 meters. So what, 34, 35 feet? The original length of the fallen upright from the great trilithon, stone 55. And then it has nine millimeter, or nine meter, rather. that's about what, 27, 28 feet. The approximate length of the tallest stone still standing, remaining upright of the great Trilithon, that's that's what's above ground. Uh, seven meters, uh, 22 feet, say. The height the height this upright reaches above the ground. Here's one, 2.4 meters, 35 tons, so what, 70,000 pounds? The weight of the largest Saracen stones. Now, I've also seen those estimated at 40 tons. That's 80,000 pounds. 80,000 pounds. Now, imagine that. That's the weight of a fully loaded uh, 18-wheeler semi-truck. Now, these guys, are the big ones now, they're supposed to have pulled those uh, from, from 20 miles away. Now, supposedly, somehow, amazingly, uh, part of that journey might have been by water. Really? You're telling me that 5,000 years ago, primitive man had the, had the capacity to build a boat or a raft that would carry an 80,000-pound rock? I'd like to see that. I would, if that was so easy to do... I would like to see these archaeologists replicate that. It should, be, it should be no problem for them to do that then, should it? No matter whether it was imaginarily carried by water or land, it was moved some 20-some miles, 80,000 pounds. Imagine dragging an 80,000-pound semi-tractor-trailer load through the dirt with no wheels on that tractor. Imagine how much force that takes. Let's say the average person can uh, drag a third of their own body weight. And these guys back then, maybe they're weighing 160, 170 pounds. Let's just say 40, 50 pounds each. You're talking about uh, 2,000 people to drag one of these things. 2,000 people in an area where, from what I've read, had a population of around 100,000 people max. So out of that 100,000, what do you have? Maybe 20,000 healthy males so they could do this. You're taking 10% of your population out to go on a summer-long trip to drag these rocks down to wherever you're going to put them up at? Makes no sense to me, man. I just cannot believe that ancient people would have had uh, the technology or the strength, just the human manpower. I would like to see... I would like to see these these believers get a two thousand or a two thousand man crew together. These guys that believe this was all done by you know hand power. I would like to see them to get a couple a couple thousand college students together and drag one of these eighty thousand pound rocks for twenty or thirty miles. Drag one of these ten thousand pound rocks for one hundred and fifty to one hundred eighty miles. I challenge them. Here's one that says 20 tons is the average weight of these uprights. So the big upright rocks that you see there at Stonehenge, 40,000 pounds is the average weight, okay, up to 80. Three meters is the average length of the sarsen, of the sarsen circle lintel. So the big, the, big, the big rocks going across the top, those are about 10 foot each, 10 foot each. Six tons, it says, or three tons, rather, that's 6,000 pounds. And the weight of the largest... Now, if they're using metric tons there, that would be even more. That would be like 6,600 pounds. 
40 tons is the weight of the heel stone. That's a great big old kind of heel-shaped rock off to the side. That's 80,000 pounds. Now, tons, if, that's, if it's metric tons, you know, you can add 10% to that. It's going to be 88,000 pounds. It's a tremendous rock. Imagine dragging an 88,000-pound rock across the dirt, across the dirt for 20 miles. I just don't see how it was done. Uh, and if it was done that way, then please. I would just like to see these guys get maybe 100 guys together and pull one of these 8,000-pound rocks for 20 miles. See how that works out for them. How did these ancient people with their limited, you know, living on subsistent agriculture, how did they feed these? It, it would be like taking a major military uh, campaign. Under You have to feed these guys for however long it takes them. How many miles a day can they make it? Wow. Anyway, I'm going to look at this next article here before we finish up. Now, this next article gives us a little bit more of the same kind of official narrative. Kind of compare what they're telling you compared to what we know that Stonehenge has been rearranged, renovated, rebuilt, however you want to say it, multiple times in the last hundred years. That you're talking about two different kinds of rocks. Uh, the smaller ones, and by smaller I mean 10 to 30,000 pounds, drug from 160 to 180 miles away. And the great big ones, anywhere from, uh, you know, 30, 40, up to 80,000 pounds, move possibly up to 20 miles. Now, some scientists say maybe somehow they figured out how to load those things on a boat and bring them down by river, but they still had to get them off the rafts and pull them to uh, the building site. Myself, I don't see how ancient man was capable of building rafts or boats or whatever that could haul an 85, 90,000 pound rock. Just don't get it. Don't know how you got a couple thousand guys together if they could even pull one. Now, like I said, we're told that a person can pull a third of their own body weight. So, you know, you're pulling an 80,000 pound rock. What's that? A couple thousand people. I would like to see this demonstrated. I would like to see them demonstrate pulling a 10,000 pound rock with a couple hundred people. Yet to see it. Now, this article here comes to us from inews.co.uk. It says the truth about the history of Stonehenge and how it originally stood in Wales. Major archaeological investigation finds that the original section of Stonehenge was actually a second-hand monument. It goes on here, it says, this article is by Tim Bodden, written February 12, 2021. With ley lines sweeping through its spiritual fields, Salisbury Plain has been famed as the home of Stonehenge for millennia. But now researchers believe that England's proud ancient monument is largely a second-hand structure that originally stood in Wales. The blue, stone, the blue stones that made up the inner ring of the Neolithic landmark were thought to have been moved by sled 5,000 years ago by a prehistoric people on an easterly migration, deciding to bring their ancestral emblems with them. It seems they took down their stone circle in the Presley Hills and rebuilt it at the current location, 180 miles away in Wiltshire. I don't know, man. Does that seem reasonable to you? Doesn't It doesn't seem like the sort of thing that ancient man would be capable of, but hey. That is the startling conclusion of a 10-year investigation into the origins of Stonehenge in southwest Wales at the site of Juan Mon, which studies now confirm was once one of the biggest stone circles in the British Islands. Four stones are now all that remain of a structure which predated the iconic hinge 
by a few centuries and may well have been the very first such circle in the land. Research has focused on Juan Mon having a 110 meter diameter, okay, 350 feet across, you know, bigger than a football field, that is identical to the ditch surrounding Stonehenge, according to Professor Alice Roberts, who presents a BBC documentary on the project on Friday. Of course, this is a couple-year-old article. This discovery is just incredible. I think it's the most exciting bit of Stonehenge archaeology that's emerged during my lifetime, Robert tells. When I first heard it, I thought it did sound a bit crazy, but I'm convinced that this empty stone circle on this bleak hillside with just four stones in it was the original stone circle, which was then dismantled and moved to Salisbury Plain to become Stonehenge. So we're to believe that ancient man, 5,000 years ago, took it upon himself to move these giant stones 180 miles south for whatever reason. Like Stonehenge, Juan Mon was aligned to the solstice for midsummer sunrise and midwinter sunset until most of his stones were moved in 3,000 BC. That's what they tell us. But were they? Uh, do we know what these stones were actually for? As much, you know, as much uh, remodeling work as that's been going on there. A few centuries later, the larger sarsens for which Stonehenge is best known today were brought from a source 15 miles away and placed around the outside of the bluestones, which are thought to have previously formed a much larger circle. Today, 43 of Stonehenge's estimated 83 bluestones survive, though, may, though many are buried beneath the grass. Wow. Moving them over nearly 200 miles of craggy terrain with no wheels would have been a huge task. They are two meters tall and weigh between one and three tons. So they move these things, it says, Nearly 200 miles of craggy terrain. You can I, you go on Google Maps and look, and I did. This is not flat terrain. Up and down hills. So even a, a stone that weighs 6,000 pounds, just imagine dragging uh, a dump truck, say, up and down those hills. A small dump truck. 6,000 pounds. Really. It says, proof of migration. Chemical analysis of ancient human remains near Stonehenge reveal these people grew up in West Wales. Their teeth contain elements from local rock that would have seeped into their plants and meat. It is a hypothesis at the moment, but people, but perhaps what you're looking at is a migration of some people from West Wales to the Salisbury Plain area, says Roberts. The research was led by Professor Mike Parker Pearson, an archaeologist with the University of London. He now believes that Stonehenge was built as a monument to the ancestors in contrast to all the structures built out of timber, which were associated with the living, he says. These stones were clearly really valuable to them. They would have been absolutely key ancestral emblems. You know, you have to ask yourself, how could a, a group of people who, who hadn't invented the wheel, who at best were subsistence farmers, maybe just grazing these a few domesticated animals, how would they have the time or the excess energy to do this? It says the chances are we'll never know for sure why the stones were moved, but Pearson likes that mystery. For Roberts, the discovery that really captured her imagination came thanks to a meal of hazelnut eaten by a quarry worker around 5,300 years ago during an excavation of what turned out to be a key 
Bluestone Quarry, the archaeologists discovered the charred remains of some hazelnut shells that had been thrown into the campfire. Carbon dating revealed that they dated to 3300 BC, 5300 years ago. It was already known the bluestones had been quarried in Wales, but the shells showed this was done more than three centuries before Stonehenge was erected on Salisbury Plain. That left us with the mystery because where did they go? Did it take them 400 years to haul those stones to Stonehenge? I suspect not, says Parson. I thought there must be another place close by that these stones were initially destined for, and the rest, as they say, is history. Jeffrey Monmouth was a great medieval storyteller who lived in the 12th century. It says he is best known for his stories that popularized the myth of King Arthur, but many that may have also have a role to play in the mystery of Stonehenge. Jeffrey of Monmouth tells this extraordinary story about Stonehenge being a stone circle that Merlin brought back from Ireland. It's obviously a myth, they say, that there's a big battle in Ireland, and Merlin, having stolen the big stone circle, brings it back to Salisbury Plain. But you just wonder if there's a grain of truth in it, that there's some kind of folk memory of the stone circle having been moved from the west of Salisbury that's turned into this legend. Interesting that he says Merlin. Of course, Merlin was this legendary wizard, and this could, to my mind, be some sort of uh, UFO connection there, some sort of alien connection, kind of along the lines of what we've seen with the ancient alien stuff on the History Channel. It's something we'll never be able to prove, but it's delicious as a story, and it may be that there's a grain of truth in it, she said. That's all fine and good. This interesting story that how maybe these things were quarried at this quarry. They were moved to a, a you know to this first Stonehenge type monument, and then after a few hundred years, these people migrated south and they drug all these rocks down there with them, and then they expanded the complex with these bigger rocks. Blah blah blah. All seems pretty implausible to me. You know the fact this all happened over five thousand years ago before the invention of the wheel. You know when. People are are very technologically not advanced stage that they would go to the trouble to do this, but then you overlay that on top of the idea that we find out that Stonehenge has been uh, just completely altered multiple times in the last hundred years to make it look the way they think it should have looked for whatever reason, and they're not doing this uh, out in the open. We can have a have a conversation about it. This has all been done really clandestinely and almost to the point of being under the cover of darkness. I mean, this happened back in the 50s. Nobody's advertising it and no one's coming forward to say, oh yeah, this is how it happened. So you have you you have this kind of really confusion, deception, and kind of uh, cloudiness over this whole thing of Stonehenge on both ends of the story. What was done to it you know, in modern times as far as rebuilding it and how it got there in the first place. We never have been able to do a really uh, thorough archaeological examination of this site because it's been altered too much. So were aliens involved? Who knows? How would you know? Everything's been completely disturbed there. Uh, you almost need to go back and look at the same from were people capable of moving these kinds of uh, massive stones those distances 5,000 years ago with nothing more than brute strength and ropes.
there'd be an easy way to prove this. The people that think that that was possible, these, archaeologi- these archaeologists and academics and non-believers, uh, they could disprove all of us people who have questions by simply getting a couple hundred people together and seeing if they could move, say, a ten or 12,000-pound rock. See if they could drag that thing 180 miles, see how long it would take them to do that, and whether that seems like it would be a possibility for uh, ancient man 5,000 years ago. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.